This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, July 1st. I'm Matt Hoish. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Grace Franklin talks ebb and flow of COVID. Town Council considers charter amendments. Telluride Deputy Marshal Olympic Bound. And a mountain weather forecast. By this point in the pandemic, San Miguel County is largely leaving public health precautions up to individuals. Our intent is to have as little impact as possible on restrictions while better keeping the community as a whole healthy. That's County Public Health Director Grace Franklin speaking on KOTO on Thursday. Vaccines, she notes, are key protection against COVID. And thanks to widespread vaccine availability for those 12 and up, people are largely able to assess their risks on their own. But with the rise of the more transmissible Delta variant, Franklin urges unvaccinated people to take more precautions. If you're not vaccinated, wearing a mask and keeping your distance from people outside of your household is really that key component to staying healthy um, and not sick with COVID. For vaccinated people, Franklin says it's more nuanced. Is there a high enough viral load um, from whether it's multiple people being sick or one person who's really infectious? um, That could be that breakthrough. And so for for me, I know if I'm going to an extremely crowded place where I'm indoors, I'm choosing to wear a mask just as that extra layer of protection um, just for myself and my own peace of mind. The Delta variant currently accounts for roughly 25 percent of cases in the U.S., according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. In addition to spreading more easily, Franklin notes, it also leads to more severe outcomes in those who contract it. Vaccinated people can still catch COVID, too, But for them, Franklin says, the symptoms have largely been mild or moderate. Overall, they've had really successful outcomes. Some have been asymptomatic, and we've been seeing that on both the local and the state level. Still, the majority of people in the county and state who have contracted COVID have been unvaccinated, Franklin says. The county, she notes, is not currently considering any increase in legal restrictions in response to the Delta variant. Of course, a major group that cannot yet get vaccines are those 11 and under. When it comes to a timeline for those vaccine approvals, Franklin says... There's a lot of chatter, of course, and um, we never know until it happens when it comes to COVID. But the FDA and pharmaceutical lifelines are saying somewhere between fall to 2022. Until then... It's not as fun and it sucks, but in the meantime, we do have masks. We can pod our kids and um, be a little bit more intentional there um, and just do ways to lower that risk. Franklin says she sees the pandemic as more of an ebb and flow rather than a start and stop. Variants add an element of uncertainty, and colder weather later in the year will bring more people indoors, where COVID can spread more easily. So let's take the good times when they're good, but also be prepared to hunker down or to adjust our mindsets um, as needed if um, it does become more prevalent in our community. As officials have been saying for a while now, COVID will probably be with us forever. The key is to find ways to make living with it manageable. Changes may be coming to Telluride's town charter. The town of Telluride is a home rule municipality, which allows for flexibility to create laws related to local concerns. 
A charter may also, however, limit the flexibility of home rule and needs to be revised from time to time. That's Tiffany Cavanaugh, Telluride Town Clerk, presenting before town council earlier this week. The town charter is, in essence, Telluride's constitution, laying out rules and regulations for how the town runs. Telluride's town charter was adopted in 1978 and was last amended in 2013. Now the town is looking to make some updates again, but it's a process. Any change or amendment to the charter must go to the voters. But first, town council must recommend or approve potential changes for the ballot. This week, town council took the first step in the process. Over a two-hour work session, Kavanaugh walked council through a number of potential changes. Some amendments are straightforward, changing the position town treasurer to finance director. Another switches the town moderator from a two-year elected position to a four-year elected position. But others are more complex or nuanced such as petition requirements for initiatives or referendums. This language has always been really confusing to me as written. Kavanaugh suggests clarifying language to indicate that if 15% of the electorate signs a petition for an initiative, it will trigger a special election to vote on the issue. If less than 15%, but more than 5%, a voter sign a petition, that issue will get saved for the next municipal election. But for Councilmember Adrian Christie, even the proposed language isn't clear enough. This is the main section that an average layperson who's wanting to utilize their like democratic right, they need to be able to read that and get it without having to waste staff time. So I think the clearer, the better. Town attorney Kevin Geiger says he will work to clarify the language even further. Proposed amendments to the charter range from town council procedure to elections, town administration to boards and commissions. In total, Kavanaugh suggests amendments or changes to eight of the 16 charter articles. However, council decided not to move forward with all of them. But the discussion also brings up several larger conversations that council decided to push pause on and come back to later. For one, who is eligible to vote in town elections? Currently, electors are those who are 18 years and older and have lived in the town of Telluride for 22 days prior to the election. Those who are not U.S. citizens but hold a permanent resident card are also qualified to vote in town elections. But some council members want to expand that definition. Here's Christy. If we want to allow people who live in the town of Telluride who are residents of our community but may not be legal permanent residents or green card holders, if we want to allow them to vote, how can we be more inclusive? Council member Geneva Shawnette agrees. People who come here seasonally to work are a part of our community. And I think that that is, those are voices that should be in the mix more than people who have lit or living elsewhere in the state and then move right before the election. I think that the people who are working and involved um, in the functioning of the town have a more valid insight to be weighing in on elections. Attorney Geiger notes the town is able to broaden the scope of those who are eligible to vote in town elections, but it could lead to a slippery slope. Recognize lawful presence could be any number of, of things if you don't further define it. Lawful presence could be Someone on a student visa, someone on a work visa, someone on a tourist visa. 
For Councilmember Tom Watkinson, there's another segment of the population who should be considered. We have a seriously, we have a huge contingency in this town that does not get to vote, and I think absolutely should, and that's business owners in the town of Telluride. Um, and I would say way before someone with a work visa getting to vote in Telluride, business owners of this town need to have a voice. I don't know, it keeps going through my brain. Taxation without representation. Seanette vehemently disagrees. I can't think of any other place in the United States where just because you run a business, you get to vote in an election. Nobody's forcing anybody to open a business in this town. It's not taxation without representation. It's how the United States works. A second point of conversation surrounds term limits for town, boards, and commissions. Currently, there are no limits for those positions, but Councilmember Christie wonders if a lack of term limits is leading to a lack of new applicants for the boards. People don't apply because they think they've got, it's like, oh, they've got this. They've been on this board and commission for so long. Like, I don't, I would feel bad trying to boot them out of their seat. They're super knowledgeable. And the reality is that, like, we need diversity in thought an opinion on these boards and commissions. She suggests keeping a high term limit to allow people to serve for a decade or so. But Councilmember Todd Brown thinks there's a benefit to allowing people to serve for a long time. I would oppose term limits just because in my time here, I've seen the value of having consistency and the community knowledge Council decided to postpone conversations regarding voting eligibility and term limits. They may discuss them at a later date. Town Council will address the proposed changes and amendments several more times before they go to the voters next at their meeting on July 13th. If Council approves the charter amendments, they will go to the voters for decision on the November 2nd ballot. For the last year and a half, Jimmy Moody has been leading a double life. Part of the time, he's a deputy with the Telluride Marshals Department. But the other half, he's a world-class fencing coach. And the two roles aren't as different as you would think. The majority of coaching is learning how to say the same thing a thousand different ways. And then also just being infinitely patient. Those are both skills that have translated to the Marshals Department and law enforcement that have made me extremely successful in this town. And learning to listen to understand rather than listen to respond or to argue. And Moody is good at what he does. In a few weeks, he's heading to Tokyo as a fencing coach on Team USA for the Summer Olympics. It's a pretty remarkable streak, especially for someone who really more or less stumbled into the game. Growing up in Colorado, Moody got into fencing at 14 after his parents told him he needed to find an after-school sport. And so this short, chubby Asian kid started following his friends to every different sport. And um, fencing is like the coach just like hooked me up and he put a sword in my hand and was like, survive. And I was like, I want to live. And so like, it got me going, got me motivated. I have a strong survival instinct, it turns out. Strong enough to become the captain of the Penn State fencing team, win two NCAA championships, get onto Team USA, and help train at the London Olympics. In 2016, Moody retired from the sport. After some time, he decided to give back to his home state by going into law enforcement. Sort of the team dynamic, I'm not stuck behind a desk, I get to be out and about, interacting, chatting. It just sort of clicked and it fit as a great way for me to sort of pay that debt. Moody joined the Telluride Marshals Department in early 2020, but fencing found a way back into his life. 
Around the same time, Nicole Ross, an old fencing friend, asked him to jump back in to coach her. Ross had competed in the London Olympics and was eyeing the Tokyo Olympics. Moody was game. I have no desire to coach anyone but Nicole. She's the only person I would work with in the United States or in the world. But it wasn't just any coaching. Ross needed Moody to help her recover from a massive setback. In December 2019, she tore her ACL. According to Moody, that would be a career-ending injury for most people. It took away her ability to change directions. I was really lost. Nicole Ross. Really depressed and scared, like I didn't know if my career was over. What came next was the definition of determination and audacity. She worked with Moody and others to reimagine how she could fence without an ACL, without changing directions. You were going to be this tank, and you are just going to move forward, and then either they stop and you hit them, or you just plow through them. Like, you just, you don't have a choice. Ironically, Ross feels the constraints also gave her an advantage, because she explains, fencing is such an open game. It's hard when you have a lot of options. It can be confusing, and... It can get complicated, but when you have very few options, it kind of quiets your brain a little bit, and you can focus on those few options and be very deliberate. It worked. Ross was seeing great results with the new approach. But then, COVID hit, and she had time to get surgery. This year, she qualified for the postponed Tokyo Olympics. Wait, so you were watching that intel? You were like in the marshal's office? Yeah, I was in the marshal's office. I was at my desk just like grabbing my monitor, shaking it and screaming at it. And everyone's like, are you okay? I was like, I'm fine. Of course, the work isn't done yet, but it's changed. At this point, Moody says most of his job is psychological. Recovery, after all, is more than just physical. Unless you've had a traumatic injury like that, you don't understand the PTSD that comes with it afterwards because you have to understand Nicole had this injury. She tore off her ACL when she was in peak form. She was in a competition. She was in some of the best shape of her life, and she was fencing at some of the highest level of her life, and then it just randomly happened. And I feel like that plants this seed in your mind, whether you're aware of it or not subconsciously, where you're like, wow, like anything could happen at any time, and she's coming back. She's feeling strong. She's feeling good, but... She was also feeling strong and good when the injury happened. Still, with less than a month until the games, both Moody and Ross are in good spirits. I definitely feel more prepared than I ever have for these Olympics. The person who Nicole is now, as a person, as a fencer, as an athlete, is exactly who she needs to be to win a medal. COVID precautions mean it's going to be an Olympics like no other. But at least Telluridians can watch the games and know a local voice is there cheering and coaching for Team USA. For anyone looking to circulate this or that through the property distribution machine that is the Freebox, the wait may be a little longer. The Freebox has been boarded up for almost a year and a half since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Telluride Town Council discussed the future of the box at meetings in May and June and unanimously was in favor of keeping it, but with better management to reduce clutter. At a town council meeting this week, town manager Ross Herzog explained town has come up with a job description for someone to maintain the free box. The job is posted on the town website. Town, Herzog says, is also installing cameras around the free box, though he adds the box may reopen before the cameras go live. The briefing came in response to questions by Mayor Delaney Young. I'm getting incessant, no offense to the people who may be listening right now, but incessant calls 
stopped on the street, text messages and emails about why have four weeks gone by? You said it would be two weeks. And I went back and looked at my notes and it I wrote two to three weeks. Herzog says town believes the staff position and cameras will make for a successful free box reopening. But he did not give a specific date on when that will be. Applications are open for Mountain Films commitment grants. The grants support documentary filmmakers in production or post-production and range from $1,000 to $5,000. Only Mountain Film alumni are eligible, but novice filmmakers fret not. Applications are also open for Mountain Films Emerging Filmmaker Fellowship, which supports one documentary filmmaker in production or post-production on their first or second film. The fellow will receive year-long mentorship, including edit and story consultation, networking opportunities, and a $2,000 cash award. The fellow will also get to come to Telluride for Mountain Film. Applications for both commitment grants and the Emerging Filmmaker Fellowship are due by July 31st. More information is available at mountainfilm.org. For a lot of people in and around Telluride, one of the top issues on their minds is housing. And it's not just an issue for San Miguel County. KOTO is partnering with multiple stations in the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition to report a series of stories looking at economic mobility through housing to understand how the challenge and possible solutions are playing out across the region. Today, we are airing the first in the series. As the demand to live in western mountain towns continues to explode, the housing crunch for local workers is more dire than ever. One way several town governments are trying to help is by offering down payment assistance for some of those workers to buy homes. Will Walkie from KHOL reports on how the effort is going in Jackson, Wyoming. Charlotte DePrisco is an elementary school counselor who grew up in Jackson. At 34, she and her fiancé are looking to buy a home of their own and potentially start a family. But over the past six months they've been looking, they haven't been able to find anything they can afford. We've looked at condos that are 900 grand and they're two bedroom, one bath, and they're, they need work. And that's just not feasible for us. The average sale price of a single-family home in Jackson Hole was about $4.3 million in the first quarter of 2021, according to a recent market report. Katie Brady has been working in Jackson real estate for more than a decade, and she says the local demand for houses has skyrocketed since the second half of 2020. Properties are getting half dozen to a dozen offers within the first day or so, and, and a lot of that has to do with the limited inventory. Brady says there's only a handful of properties under $1 million available in Jackson at any given time. But that's still way too expensive for the majority of area residents, including DePrisco. She's also been looking for options through the Teton County Affordable Housing Department, but that hasn't worked out either. We make too much money for an affordable housing unit, but we can't afford a free market. So we're stuck in this limbo, this like gray area. Educators, police officers, and even doctors are struggling to make a life for themselves in Jackson. That's where April Norton comes in. We've seen households that could afford a three or four or five thousand dollar monthly payment, but they don't have a hundred thousand dollars sitting around, and that's been a real barrier for them. Norton is the first director of Teton County's affordable housing department. 
This year, she helped launch a preservation program that helps local workers pay a higher down payment on their home so that they can get a more reasonable mortgage. The pilot grants up to $150,000 for every family accepted into the program. It seems like a win-win for the, the folks who want to stay here and live here and own here. In return for the assistance, Teton County puts a cap on the appreciation value of the home once it's sold, making sure it remains affordable over time. It also establishes a permanent restriction on the property. Whoever lives there must make the majority of their income in Jackson Hole. The point of that is just to make sure that we're not getting what we love to call modem cowboys coming in and applying for and getting workforce homes. Um, we really want to provide housing for people who need to be here to do their jobs. Norton says another benefit is that it helps protect existing housing stock from being redeveloped into mansions. That was part of the inspiration behind the model that Jackson's program is based on in Vail, Colorado. We've come to grips at, at least a long time ago that we're not going to build our way out of this problem. So we, we sought to come up with a program that, that had a focus on protecting and preserving some of those existing dwelling units in the town of Vail. George Ruther is housing director in Vail, and he helped start a program called Vail Indeed in 2017. Jackson's effort isn't exactly the same, but the general outcome is. And in Vail, it's been really successful. We spent, like I said, about $11 million on 170 deed restrictions, and we've provided housing for 350, 360 individuals. Other resort communities, from Breckenridge, Colorado, to lakeside towns in Michigan, have also adopted similar programs. And some early evidence seems to indicate that they're working. Two years after Vail Indeed began, an economic study found that the town's investment in housing yielded a 5% return for local taxpayers. It's no different than roads, bridges, schools, fire departments, etc. Meaning without housing for our, our year-round residents and our workforce fail isn't a resort community. Jackson has not yet seen that success. Just three families have used the down payment assistance program thus far. DePrisco applied and was accepted into it, but she says that 150000 in help just wasn't enough. I feel like if someone was listening to this that didn't live here and didn't know what it was like, they'd be like, are you serious? But it barely made a dent. <laughs> and like, that's so sad. Norton, the Teton County Housing Director, says it's really hard for her department to compete with out-of-towners with cash. That's why she'd like to have more resources akin to Colorado, a higher tax state. Norton does still have about $500,000 at her disposal to help get Jackson Hole's down payment assistance program off the ground. She says it'll just take time. For KHOL News and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Will Walkie. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low around 50. Friday should see sunny skies with a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon and a high in the mid-70s. Friday night expect mostly clear skies with a low around 50. Saturday calls for mostly sunny skies with a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon and a high near 80. Winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Saturday night, expect mostly clear skies with a low around 50. This has been the news for Thursday, July 1st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hey, Ruthie. Have you heard of Tri-County Health Network? Not really. I think they do something around insurance enrollment. 
Right on. And I think they also offer mental health resources, um, maybe even access to food. Yeah, something like that. I stopped by their booth at the farmer's market Friday and was told they're trying to learn more about our community's well-being by doing a health survey. Ain't nobody got time for that. Well, that's what I thought too, but then I realized not only will I get to share my health need concerns, but also how we can make our community more inclusive and equitable. Speaking of equitable, the survey is available in English and Spanish. Plus, you get a $5 gift card after completing the survey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How do I get in on this? It's easy. Visit tchnetwork.org forward slash health dash survey to let us know what programs you'd like to see in our community. But my internet is so slow in this mountain town. Any idea where I can go if I have spotty connection? Of course. Stop by the Farmer's Market booth in Telluride from 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Fridays or visit the website I just said. Sounds good. I think I can also call Tri-County at 970-708-7096. You sure can. Fill, Fill out, out your, your community, community health survey today. Hola, Radio Escuches de Coto. Tri-County Health Network necesita su ayuda con nuestra encuesta de salud comunitario. Queremos crear una comunidad donde los recursos de salud, desde recursos alimentarios hasta recursos de salud mental, son disponibles para todos. La encuesta es anónima y está disponible en español en tchnetwork.org. También el personal de TCH Network estará disponible en eventos comunitarios para recopilar respuestas de residentes que no tienen acceso al Internet. Estamos emocionadas de saber de ustedes y muchas gracias. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.